Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. You know, I'll take a couple of moments this week and speak around this simple thought, the power of a transformed mind. The power of a transformed mind. I don't know about you, we have a little dog and uh, we live close to a beach. So most days, one, one of us or a couple of us in our family will find ourselves down at the beach walking our dog on the beach. And uh, at our particular beach, if you're there before 9 a.m. or there after 5 p.m., you can let your dogs off the lead. And uh, my dog, he, he's, he's awesome. He thinks everyone loves him and everyone deserves the opportunity to say hi. Come on. Whether you are a massive dog or a stranger, he will run up to you to say hi and the problem is the minute he gets a scent, he's off, he's gone. Like if he's on lead, then I've got a little bit of control. But the minute he gets a scent or he sees someone or sees another dog, he is gone. And I feel like that guy on the beach yelling and screaming at my little shih tzu, running away, just bolted. I'm like, dude, come back, come back. As you, get, as you walk down the beach, you get to know the locals. There's this lady down there. She's got a Great Dane. That thing is massive. And it is the most well-behaved, it's called Boss. What a name for a Great Dane, right? Boss. I want to call my little dog Boss. But anyway, so she's got a Great Dane. This Great Dane, when it begins to run off, all she needs to do is say, Boss. And he will run back and sit right beside. She's got this 80-kilo dog on lockdown. And my 8-kilo dog has me looking like a crazy person running up and down the beach trying to get control of this thing. That's like a lot of people's thought life. Once it bolts, can we get control of it? Once it bolts, can we get it back under control? What is it that we have that stops our thoughts running away with us? You know, for about five years, maybe three years, I've been saying to Amanda, I think I need to go to the ear doctor and get my ears cleaned out. Because a few years ago, we were sitting, I don't know, we were with someone and uh, they said, do you know how bad it is to put those little cotton buds in your ears because it just packs all the wax in? Confession, I've done that every day for 35 years. It's the thing I do. I get out of the shower, put the things, it feels so good. <laughs> but apparently it's so bad. <coughs> and over the last few years, I found myself, <coughs> excuse me, I found myself thinking, I can't hear as well. Like Amanda says to do stuff. Like, unpack the dishwasher. I just don't hear her. <laughs> Would you deal with your son? I just don't hear it. Like, I just don't hear it. But I'd be driving along and one of the kids would say, Dad, did you hear that? And I convinced myself I didn't hear it because my thought was, for 35 years, I've been packing that wax in. So then I do what most sane Christians do. I jump on YouTube to research. And I'm watching videos of people getting stuff pulled out of like big corks of... Sorry, you didn't come to church to hear about this. <laughs> Got some squirmers on the front row, like, Ugh. but I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be here better, it's gonna be phenomenal. I go this Tuesday, like four days ago, five days ago, I go to the hearing lady. I'm like, look, I even put a caveat on it. I said, I'm, I'm sorry for what you're about to find. For 35 years, I've stuck Q tips in my ear. You're probably about to find the worst thing you've ever seen. I sit down, she looks in there, she goes, they're all clean, not one bit of wax. She's like, the canals are a little bit red. How often do you do this? I'm like, well, you know, like seven times a week. Uh, she's like, okay, well, it's all good. Just, 
It's amazing. I convinced myself because of my YouTube research. Hello. Do you know that our life, the reality of our today is a result of the actions that we take and the thoughts that we have. The reality of our today is the actions that we take and the decisions that we make, and that's how we find ourselves today. And every one of those actions and every one of those decisions has a common factor, and it's our thinking. That we can literally change our life by changing the way we think. Our our life is built on what we think about our today, what we think about our tomorrow, what we think God thinks about us, what we think others think about us, what we think the potential is for the future. That's what our life is built on. And in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Look at me. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for you, and he wants to use yours and my story to prove that. And I've discovered that in a couple of decades of walking with Jesus, that renewing my mind is not a one-off altar call response. It's not a, I need to get into a group and have someone pray for me. It is a daily process to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here of one or two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to be conformed to the pattern, to, to the ideology, to the ethos, to the system of this world and how it functions, or... I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and become the person God wanted me to be. Interestingly here, he doesn't say there is a middle ground. Like I often talk to people and be like, how's your week been? Yeah, average. Didn't really live all that great, but didn't really live all that bad. Kind of neutral. The Apostle Paul here is saying when it comes to our thinking, there is no neutral. Either we are conforming to the pattern of this world or we being transformed into who God wants us to be. There is no neutral. C.S. Lewis says it this way. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. In other words, every morning, every day, every opportunity, every season, every circumstance, it is my responsibility to take that contested space and either gravitate to the way of the world or gravitate to the mind that God has for us. We are either going to become more and more like the patterns of this world. When it says the world, it's not like us in church are good and the people outside of church are bad. When it says the world, it's talking about patterns ideologies, systems, processes, that when you're sick and a doctor says you're going to die, that is a world, but there is a God who says, I am a supernatural healer, I can bring healing. That when your marriage is on life support and a counsellor says you might as well walk away, but God says, I can bring life into broken places, that is the difference between the world and God. And we as a disciple, a disciple, a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, we can make a decision to be transformed, not because we sing some songs, not because I get the right job, but because I take every thought 
and renew my mind. You know what's powerful about this is nothing can stop you. Not your past, not regrets, not shamed, not the fact that you didn't get this start that someone else got in life. Nothing can stop you and nothing can stop me from in this moment making a decision. I am gonna begin to transform and change by renewing my mind right now. Nothing can, so that means no one gets an out. Every one of us has a responsibility from this moment to say, God, I can change by the renewing of my mind. You know that word transformed? For those of us who have been out of school for a couple of years, let me give you a reminder of a science lesson. That word transformed is metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, if you can remember back to school, I had to dig back in the archives. If you can remember back to school is what they talk about when it comes to a butterfly in a cocoon. It literally is saying that if we would renew our mind, we can change from who we are today and fly into the future something very different, not because someone gives you a check, but because I renew my mind and align it to who God is and what he is. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are a new creation. I'm not the old me, I'm not a chip off the old block. Even if the old block was a good block, I'm not a chip off the old block. I am a brand new creation. I have a future and I have a hope. I've got a plan in front of me that if I would align my life to it, it would prove his perfect, pleasing and acceptable will. How? By getting a bank account? No, by renewing my mind and allowing him to transform who I am. Now, here in Romans 12, Paul's talking about transforming our life, but in the previous 11 chapters, he gives us a glimpse into what he focuses on to renew his mind. Uh, if you haven't read Romans in a while, read Romans. It is packed with some unbelievably life-transforming stuff. But the Apostle Paul, he gets to chapter 12 and says, therefore renew your mind. I don't know about you, but I wanna know what does he renew his mind with so that he can prove the will of God. Here's what he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, comma, being justified freely with the gift of grace in Christ Jesus. For the wages of sin are death, but for the wages of sin is death, comma, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul who used to kill Christians, tried to wipe out Christianity? I reckon every now and again the old enemy would have said, hey, why can you preach? Why can you believe this? You used to kill Christians and he would renew his mind with, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I can get up and I can go again. Enemy, go way. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Imagine the Apostle Paul sitting in prison, cold, damp, doesn't know how he's going to get out, chained to the floor in the very bowels of that city, which is where the prisons were. And he sits there and he goes, there is nothing. Even in this prison, there is nothing that can separate me from the love of my God that is not found in a church and it's not found in a worship song. Thank God for both of those. But whenever I find myself in the grind of life and in the challenges of life, I'm renewing my mind to the fact that I may be imprisoned in my body, but there is nothing that can separate me from the love of 
Jesus. What about this one? God causes all things. Yeah, but Paul, you were whipped, you were shipwrecked. Yeah, but in that moment, I renew my mind. To God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul's been dropping bombs for 11 chapters. And then in chapter 12, he says, don't you understand that God's invited you into his story? God's invited you into his journey, that it's not on your own merit, it's not how good you are, but you are a new creation, that you are brand new in your potential. You are brand new in the future that God has for you. Regardless of what's going on, he's got this. Renew your mind to that. Here's what Paul's saying. You, by God's grace, you, by God's will, have been changed through faith in Jesus into a new creature. You're united with Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're purposed on earth and you're destined in heaven. That's who you are. Renew your mind to that. You, by God's will, have been changed through faith in Jesus into a new creature. You've been connected to Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got a purpose on earth and you're destined for heaven. Whatever's going on, you're a new creature, connected to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, purposed on earth and destined for heaven. Renew your mind in that and see how that changes. You are transformed. Oh, but the debt. But the petrol tax lifted yesterday. Dang it. Lettuces, $8 each. It's water for crying out loud. Look, all that, we've got to deal with all that. I'm not, I'm not making light of that. But are we ruled by that? Through faith in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. I am connected with the Son of God. I am filled with His Holy Spirit. I've got a purpose on earth that's bigger than petrol prices and lettuce and my home is heaven. Let me renew my mind to that and see how it transforms my life. So what does a transformed life look like? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you a few things that I learned here out of the Apostle Paul's life. I'd like to tell you out of my life, but I'm on the journey just like you, so that what we can learn out of the Apostle Paul's life to help us calibrate and gravitate in God's direction. Because listen, it's transformed, metamorphosis. It's not a I got prayed for, I was that, I am. It's I'm transforming. Thank God we're a part of a church where we are chasing discipleship and we're all in this boat together to become like Jesus. None of us have this thing on lockdown. We are all a whip. We're all a work in progress that God is working on us to transform. So let me talk to you for a few minutes about what a transformed mind looks like. Number one, the transformed mind is grateful. I love what Pastor Aaron talked about in, hey, can we just stop and celebrate for a minute? If Pastor Aaron, who is the fourth member of the Trinity, has kids that fight over their drink, I feel real good about my kids right now. I feel real good about my kids right now. But you know, the pattern of this world is entitled. It's, I, the world owes me this and I should get that. That's why there's so much impatience and comparison in the world. But if we would just transform our minds 
to go, God, it doesn't matter what I need. I am grateful for what I have. In the midst of my day-to-day challenge, I am grateful for what? I am grateful that you have woven me into your story of mercy and grace. I am grateful that like a expansion offering, I get to play a part in taking your message to people who really need it. I am grateful that Jesus, you saw me in my worst state and you still gave your life for me. God, I am grateful that I now get to be included in your mercy and your story. Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you know when you're living with a renewed mind and you are grateful, you realize I don't deserve it, but I got it. God, I couldn't earn it, but you deposited your grace and your spirit in me to live on purpose. God, I I didn't earn this. I didn't buy this. It's not on my merits. It's not on how good I am. And therefore, I'm going to be marked with gratitude. I'm going to be marked with gratefulness. I'm going to tell everyone I can about a God who wants to meet you where you're at. Yet you've got some needs and God can meet those. But the baseline is not I'm entitled. The baseline is God, I am grateful for who you are. Listen to what Paul was thinking before he wrote about transforming your mind. Romans chapter 11, the last three verses says this, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of God? Who is, or who has ever been his counselor? You know, God has never had a new thought. He's never had an aha moment. He sees you in your journey and he knows what needs to be done. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And then Paul says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The apostle Paul gets to the point where he's like, my life has some challenges, but from him I came, through him I live, and for him is the glory. I am grateful to a God who meets me in my now and moves me forward. The transformed mind is grateful. A couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Gulu in Africa. And as part of that trip, we get to sit down with a family and have a meal. And in this particular family, there was a mum who was a widow and her two biological kids. And then they found eight other kids who were orphans through either the AIDS epidemic or the war up there. And they basically just adopted them into the family. And We got to have lunch with that family. I walk into the house and it was a very, very humble, it was like four walls and little kitchen in the corner and outside bathroom, just one room where they all slept in and they all, in the wet season, they would all just hang in that one room, just one room. Man, I struggle having my three kids in one room for a whole day, let alone a whole wet season and they're in one room and then we sit down to lunch and lunch was like some bugs and some genuinely, and some, like, some uh, vegetables that they'd, they'd planted and grown. And I sit down and the, the look on these kids' face is just beaming from ear to ear. We sit down and we pray and the mum says, okay, we're all gonna pray, go around the room and pray, all 10 kids. And if your home's anything like my home, when I choose a kid to pray, here's what I normally get. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the food, amen. That's what I get. So we now have a new rule, you have to add in something you're grateful for. So... 
that's the rule in my home. Uh, so anyway, these kids, I watch them, and as they go around the room, God, I, I'm so grateful for my home. Thank you that I've got a house to live in and a roof over my head. And I looked around, and I'm like, mate, if I bought half my friends, definitely my kids here, they wouldn't be calling this a home. It's a, sh- it's a shed. God, thank you for this food. We're so grateful for this food. We're so grateful for it. Now, their context is different to ours. I get it. But can I tell you, those kids, as we went around that room, God, thank you for our mum who brought us into her world and is giving us a safe place. And God, and every one of those kids had something to be grateful for. And I thought, yeah, well, the white guy's here, so they're probably trained to do this. But we spent the afternoon with them. We're playing soccer. How many know nothing like sport to bring the truth out? Come on, there is, there is very little Christianity on the sport field, unless you're a real Christian. <laughs> unless you're a real Christian, like Josh Deong, if you wanna see the bad side of Josh Deong, go and play a game of soccer with him, and he'll pick up his Christianity as he walks off the field. Like, it takes a real Christian to be a Christian on a sports field. Every one of those kids, grateful just to have a soccer ball. What would it look like if we transformed our mind this week and we didn't just consumed with what we don't have or our need, but we live from a foundation of God, you have woven me into your story. You have forgiven me. You have set me free. You have given me a plan and a purpose. What would this week look like if we did that? Because the transformed mind is grateful. Number two, the transformed mind is secure. If there was ever a time we needed to be secure, it was now. I'm not talking about physical security. I'm talking about a heart that knows who it is. Imagine a generation navigating social media and YouTube with the understanding of who they are, a heart that knows who I am and whose I am, not conforming to the pattern of this world and looking for validation through likes and friends and accolades and success. But I don't, all that stuff is great. Now go for accolades and go for success. But out of all of that, even if that doesn't come, I am secure because he loves me. He's accepted me. He's brought me in. He's got a future and a hope. The Apostle Paul says that in view of God's mercy, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I am set free. I am now included into his plan and because of that, I'm secure. No matter what's going on, I can be secure because I'm renewing my mind to where my security comes from and my security comes from my maker. The conformed mind is always asking the world to make it feel secure. And we are asking a system to do something it cannot do. Because the world, in terms of its ethos and its system, cannot make you feel secure long term. It can give you moments of happiness, but it won't make you feel secure. Where security comes from is knowing that I am who he says I am, and I am a son, I am a daughter of the Most High God, and regardless of what I face, that's who I am. Thirdly, the transformed mind is a mindset of victory. Come on, the transformed mind is a mindset of victory. Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Battlefield of the Mind and the Bible teaches that in this passage right here that our victory is won or lost predominantly between our two ears, not anywhere else. 
that we can live with this victorious mindset, that Jesus bought us victory, but it requires a continual transformation of our thinking to align with that victory. Listen to Romans 16, verse 20. Uh, the Apostle Paul just drops this in there. The God of peace will soon crush Satan's, Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Church, I've got good news. Jesus wins. He prevails. His character will be untarnished. That At the end of the story, his throne will be established forever. And this is your story and my story, that we are attached to the one who wins. I'm really honest. There's been times in my life where I'm like, I want to have a mindset victory. But my circumstances say something very different. I want to be victorious. But this part of my world doesn't feel very victorious right now. Everything feels upside down. How do I have a mindset of victory when day to day I'm looking at something that doesn't feel like victory? This week I was reading over again the story of Jesus going to the cross. And I was blown away when I looked at it from the vantage point of the thief on the cross who ended up being crucified next to Jesus. We don't know how many people were being crucified that day. We know there was three for certain. There could have been more. And how they got from the prison to the place where they were executed, they didn't take an Uber or a prison bus. They literally had to walk through the outskirts and the streets of the city carrying their beam. You, can you imagine the guy who was being crucified because of his own decisions, because he was a murderer and a thief, the Bible says. Imagine him walking down that street thinking, man, I deserve this. My actions have put me in this moment. I wonder at what moment did he look up and see the guy maybe in front of him and behind him and think, that's that Jesus guy. That's the son of God. That's David, the son of David. And as he's walking along and finds himself hanging on a cross, he just happened to be hanging next to Jesus. And I can only imagine he thought, I'm gonna take my shot right now. Son of David, have mercy on me. Remember me when you go into paradise today. And Jesus looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. And I'm here to tell someone, you may be walking on a lonely road and you may be outworking some poor decisions you had and you may feel all alone, but I know you can live in victory because the God who created you is on that road with you and He wants you to open your eyes and see, I'm here with salvation and hope and a way forward. How do I have a mindset of victory when circumstance feels like chaos? The renewed mind is confident in the outcome even when the process makes no sense. Whatever the current looks like, it'll be swallowed up with His victory. Don't navigate times of fear with a mindset of fear, but the renewed mind, the renewed mind is confident that in Him, all of this will work out. I don't know how, and I don't know what it looks like, but my, my, my mindset is attached to the person of Jesus, not the settling of circumstance. Would you stand to your feet all over this building?
A few years ago, I was at a conference and Louis Giglio was giving a talk. It's called Indescribable, where he talks about the size of the universe and the size of the earth and gets down to the size of us. And God has all of it in his hands. And about 10 minutes into his talk, some guy up there yells out, what about Jesus? Louis's like, just hold on, man, I'm getting to it. And then about 10 minutes later, either this guy had moved or his brother was over here and he yells out, what about Jesus? Louis's like, just give me a couple of minutes. And then about two minutes later on a 70 foot screen, the biggest picture of Jesus you have ever seen in your life appears in that stadium and answers the question, what about Jesus? Church, I'm here to tell you, whatever your circumstance, whatever your challenge, He is not that far away. A mindset of victory is He is on the road with me, walking with me. And in that, I can be secure. And in that, I can be grateful and I can move forward into all that He has. We're going to take a couple of moments. If you want to come down the front and get prayer, we'll pray for you, but I want to encourage you. We're going to take five to seven minutes and we're going to stand here and we're going to remind ourselves that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is going to walk with me tomorrow to be grateful for what I do have, not focused on what I don't have to be secure in who I am, not secure in someone else's opinion of who I am, and to live with a victory of mindset. Even when the circumstance feels like chaos, I can live with a victory mindset and say, Jesus, you paid the price at the cross. You win, you are victorious, your name is untarnished, and I can attach myself to who you are. Can I have every hand raised? Come on, if you're comfortable. Father, today, I pray for those of us who are feeling insecure, maybe not attached, maybe looking for security in things that can never give us security. God, in this moment, would you help us to renew our mind, not to circumstance, but to who you are. God, I pray for those of us who are walking through some challenging moments, would we in this moment switch to a victory mindset? Even when the process is chaos, our hope is not in the process. Our hope is in the person of Jesus. Father, today, would we have a moment where we renew our mind afresh and look to you who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.